Hello and welcome back to One for Paul, the show where I, the original non-pop culturist, get inducted into the world of pop culture by friends, comedians, and nemeses. Joining me today is my friend, Alex. Hello. Yeah, this is the part where you introduce yourself. Who who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> my name is Alex. Uh, I'm an old friend of Fools, um, and I just have a big fan of this movie, and like as as is the theme of this show was very surprised that he hadn't seen it and wanted to make sure that that was remedied that's right <laughs> welcome to brew the story of a tea farmer who dreams one day of owning his own plantation but he has to compete against big tea that that's the joke in its entirety i'm sorry <laughs> I, i'm sorry i i was confused i was really worried for a second there that i had literally miscommunicated and given you the wrong movie <laughs> is there actually a movie called brew about that Probably. because i would watch that movie i think <laughs> i don't think it would be a yeah, good movie but i think i would bad. watch it i think so i think it wouldn't be as bad as it sounds from that description <laughs> so you were you were quite surprised that i hadn't seen this what why was this so surprising well actually, I, to be fair i wouldn't be surprised this isn't what i would consider to be a really really well-known film it's actually probably maybe in the cult status um but I definitely wanted you to see it because I think it's amazing. Yeah, so this is like based on the board game, which I know is Cluedo and probably you do as well. Yeah, I think as a kid, when I first saw this film, I didn't really know that it was about Cluedo because I think I just hadn't experienced Cluedo at the time. And because here in where I'm from in the UK, we call it Cluedo. I didn't know that Clue was the name of that game in America. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I didn't really know anything about it. I think I had a picture of Tim Curry dressed as a butler in my head. And, like, I knew there was a movie about this board game. So I sort of went, yeah, okay, movie about a board game. I'm sure it's fine. I don't need, it's fine. I don't need to watch it. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure whether I knew the game before the movie. But this is like a proper cult classic, you say. Like, this is, like, well-established in pop culture. I, I think I'm, like not a huge movie buff or anything i don't know about like the box office ratings or anything like that but i don't think it was particularly popular um even though i think it has an incredible cast and it's just a i think a really really good film okay so unless there's anything else to get into at the start then uh, let's jump in we open on a title card and an opening credits with some tense orchestral music and slowly moving clouds. Also, I guess Christopher Lloyd is in this. One of those amazing members of the cast I mentioned a minute ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the time man who does the time thing. The time warp? That's Indeed. him, right? I think he dances that dance. This is the thing about the film for me. Like, there is a. It's like. The, the, the cast are not like. Uh, really big names or maybe they wouldn't have been at the time um and even like the bulk of the cast is just sort of relatively unknown people but there's a few specific people in there who either were at the time or certainly became big names like christopher lloyd as you mentioned the time movie <laughs> the unnamed time movie um and i've, seen, I've seen the got... timey wimey nonsense <laughs> you've got um michael McKean who was in This Is Spinal Tap, 
And also, uh, more recently, he was in the uh, Breaking Bad show, the, the, the Better Call Soul. Um, just a really good actor and um, brilliant com- comedic performance in this. Um, and then you've also got Martin Mull, who again is relatively unknown, I'd say, but he's he's a very good performer. And he's he was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch show um, oh, as was. like the the principal. Um, that's probably all I all I know from all I know him from. But again, okay. I mean, everyone in the show like it's, and then obviously Tim Curry, like you say, that that's the real big name. Um, I don't know. I just personally feel like it's it's like an ensemble cast. It's like Maybe they're they're not all big stars like you would get from an ensemble cast film, but it's like everyone in there is on point, and it's all about all of the characters. Like it's a real character-driven story. But I feel like I'm getting into spoiler territory when we're starting to get there because we haven't credits. even faded in. So let's fade <laughs> in to a car traveling down the road on a windy evening. The man in the car opens some ominous-looking locked gates and drives towards a really beautiful, stately home. Uh, and arriving at the front door, there are two dogs barking at him. The dogs are only subdued by the several bones the man just keeps on him for this occasion, I guess. Also, he steps in some poop. Yeah, the first the first joke of the movie, or the first comedic, comedic moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, poop joke. Really sets the tone, actually, because it's like, you know, there's this quite ominous opening, very dark, gothic mansion, all this kind of stuff quite moody and there's this you know dramatic music and then he steps in poop and it's kind of like <laughs> you get the idea that maybe this isn't just your typical sort of dark crime movie or whatever maybe there's going to be something a bit more fun going on speaking of music inside there's some rock and roll or something playing and it's 1954 in new england as, as we're helpfully told on the bottom of the screen there and the music is coming from the library where the maid is dancing while polishing glasses. This is not a euphemism. That's literally what she's doing. And it turns out that she has her instructions. First line, I think, of the whole film. I think it is, isn't it? Unless you count him saying something to the Does he say something to the dogs? It might not be. Yeah, I think he, he just goes something like, Nyah! Or something I think like "nya" is a it's a legitimate word when you're Tim Curry. Fair enough, yeah. So that's going to be the first line of the movie, yeah. followed by "you have your instructions." <laughs> Cut to the kitchen where the cook is honing her knife before pointing it at the butler, who asks when supper will be ready. Seven thirty, I guess. And who's that at the door? It's Colonel Mustard, except that's not really his name. He has a different name that other people use, but the butler's employer doesn't like using other people's names. We learn that the butler's name is Wadsworth, as he shows Colonel Mustard to the library, where Yvette the maid is pouring drinks. Cut to the door, where it's another alias man, this time Mrs. White. Also, each of the guests so far has smelled something bad and then checked their shoes as they arrived. Because, you know, poop jokes. The start of the start of kind of like, yeah, callbacks as well and, and like recurring jokes, which is a big theme throughout the whole movie. This has been an insistent gag and it hasn't been three minutes yet. That's impressive. <laughs> feel free to say more, by the way, Alex. Honestly, I feel like... I'm, I... so I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about saying more about the movie that hasn't yet happened. Um, but yeah, that is one thing that I really do love is that the, the repetition and callbacks that go on throughout the movie, it's like layers and layers and layers of them. 
that poop joke is the start of it, but it just carries on. There's there's more and more of just like uh, the same lines being repeated back in slightly different contexts and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's one of my favorite parts is all the kind of dialogue comedy that happens. As she's shown to the library where it looks like Mrs. White and Yvette recognize each other for some reason. Cut to a woman whose car has evidently broken down. We know this because the hood is open and she slaps the car in frustration. That's movie talk for the car is broken. Definitely is. There's also (laughs) some thunder, which probably means it's going to rain soon because that's what thunder does. Yep. If I've learned nothing from pop culture, it's that thunder only happens when it's raining. <laughs> and again, foreshadowing another big theme of the movie that runs throughout. The thunder is foreshadowing something? Of the storm, yeah. But again, of the ominous uh, proceedings which are going to proceed. <laughs> I don't see why anything ominous would ever happen in this large stately home where a bunch of people have been invited for supper, including evidently this lady and the guy who turns up to help her out. Uh, We know that he's going to help her out because she straightens her dress and uh, lifts up her knee suggestively, I guess, to be like, well, if it's a man, he needs to think that I'm some sort of sex object in order to help out a stranger. Yikes. 1950s. Yeah, I thought about that a little bit in preparation for this. There is a lot of um, stuff that would probably be less uh, supported nowadays with our current uh, zeitgeist and climate politically. I guess Um, if you were setting something in the 50s, you might do this, but you would address it. Whereas this was made in 1985, 1985, and it's about the 50s or it's set in the 50s. Right, but yeah, they're not, they they kind of address it to an extent, but again, because it is also a comedy, and I mean, the overt sexuality and stuff is all, again, part of the comedy, so I don't know, they just didn't really care, I guess, that much, as people might today. Mm, I guess they had different priorities. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like things like Yvette the Maid. Mm, yeah, mean... <laughs> we'll, we'll give her a quick description of her at some point. I, I sort of skipped over her briefly, because I'd like to get all the characters in the room. Uh, also, I guess uh, this lady just keeps her car battery on and like the hood open and the lights on. I don't know much about cars. From your tone, I'm guessing this is a problem. For some I reason. mean, it's going to drain the battery. <laughs> and also like the hood's open. So anybody who wants to just shows up and is like, oh, that's like a super simple thing to fix my car now. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. Actually, she just leaves her car. Just leaves her car. Go. Never sees it again. As far as we know. <laughs> Uh, They drive off at a speed evidently much slower than 88 miles per hour. (laughs) Because the man in the the car who picked her up is Christopher Lloyd, and there's another movie where he travels 88. It's fine, I'll see myself out. Uh, Cut to Mrs. Peacock, who has also arrived at the party. There's no going back this time. Nope. Describe Mrs. Peacock. Mrs. Peacock is uh, affluently dressed. Or extravagantly dressed. Oh, she's got that fascinating. Eccentrically on. dressed. That's that's the word. Eccentric is definitely the word. <laughs> I didn't say eccentric, but I agree. Yeah, she's uh, dressed as she's peacocking. Really, um, I guess that's right. Is everybody else sort of like Mrs. White is wearing black, except for that inner sort of lining of her coat, 
Um, mustard is like, is he wearing mustard color? It's like more of a, just a pale brown. But I think it's like an English mustard or Dijon, maybe. I don't know. Like that. that maybe that is mustard color. Mustard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the car with the two guests in I it. I think Miss Scarlet uh, is wearing green. So that's Scarlet's wearing green, the opposite. Which is the opposite of... But then her hair is red and that green is good complementary color for red. Art, maybe. Art but they didn't do the board game thing where Scarlet is the red piece and mustard is the yellow one. No, they went somewhat subtle with it. <laughs> I think Professor Plum is what, like a really, really dark shade of plum? Like I'd describe him as like tweed. Mm. If I saw a tweed colored plum, I wouldn't eat it. It's an interesting uh thing that the uh characters are not so directly uh just wearing their colour, but more styled. It would have been very on the nose, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I never really think of this movie as being subtle, <laughs> um, which is weird because but again, this is one of the things I thing love. I think about it. it. It's one of the things I love because there's lots of different layers to it. Like I say, it's it's nuanced and at the same time it's overt. Like there are moments of just pure slapstick and silly, like stepping in poo humor. And then there are, like I say, more clever bits of dialogue and callbacks and foreshadowing and all kinds of stuff like that. Like um, there's slapstick, there's innuendo, that there's like comedy of all different types. It really is like a buffet of comedy. <laughs> yep. So the car with the two guests in it arrive at the house, which has uh, now the obligatory Frankenstein Castle Thunder sound effect playing. <laughs> yeah. And the car stops because the car is frightened. Oh, yeah, right. That's a great line. <laughs> Back inside, more Castle Thunder plays while the guests silently await their host. Back outside, those last two guests arrive and uh, Buddy here takes his opportunity to sexually harass the woman he's just met. <laughs> Yikes. There's some of that 50s slash 80s nonchalantness again. <laughs> Yeah, hey, uh, I've just I'm just gonna grab your butt now. That that's appropriate, evidently. <laughs> this is uh, Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet back in the library. Everyone is still completely silent and awkward as Wadsworth, this the name of the butler, heightens the tension a bit more before the cook bangs on a gong to indicate that supper is ready. And this is the the splash moment of. Uh... Is this the gong that, that um yep, Mr. startles Green. Miss Peacock and it all goes Yeah. Oh yeah, it startles Mr. Green so they, who announces that he is a bit accident prone. He spills his oh, drink all over Miss yeah, Peacock. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit accident prone. <laughs> he is a little bit, it seems. And that is the Michael McKean that I was referring to earlier mm -hmm. and doing a, a fantastic job of being this uh this clumsy, uh self conscious, nervous guy uh, it, again it's it's really um I, I think the performances is one of my favorite parts about the film just the way that everybody plays their parts so uh loudly mm. and as it's a really arrived, like as, um, as he arrived the dogs were barking and then buddy yeah. said sit and uh mr green sat down immediately on the nearby bench <laughs> 
Yes. So in like that good. and the spilling of the drink thing, because he was startled, we know exactly who this guy is. Yeah. And again, it goes back to that thing of there's subtlety and uh, like kind of things that you can watch again and again and pick up later on and that kind of thing. But there's also like very, very overt uh, performance and slapstick humor and clear characters. It's a really interesting balance between those two kind of polar opposites. They're all escorted to the dining room. Uh, I'm calling out specific dialogue here between Colonel Muster and Wadsworth. Uh, is this a seat for you? No, sir. I'm a humble butler. What do you do? <laughs> I buttle, sir. <laughs> and what? Okay. <laughs> okay. Already, I am in. This is the first moment where I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> Tim Curry is the best. <laughs> I mean, again, there's the, all of the performances are amazing, and all the characters and the actors that play them do their jobs so well. But like, yeah, if you're an actor and you're wanting a part in this movie, you want to play that butler, and like Tim Curry just earns it so well. I every get- line and every movement he makes is just perfect and his eyes everything he's such good casting for this role i get the sense that wadsworth uh, as he describes the work that he does he's a man who does take real pride in his humble occupation even as he sort of understates it i kind of like that again i know who this guy is right away i think i think he also just takes a lot of pride in being bitchy like the, the, i buttle sir <laughs> like, but he's also perfect, just answering like, the question pompous. yeah right of course like this is a silly question <laughs> and that's my answer to you sir right i buttle yeah, the butler what the job of the butler is <laughs> is to take care of the dining room and kitchen keep things tidy so uh here's the thing though i'm going to be calling out some of the uh, more of the wordplay but if i keep doing that then all this episode will be is me quote is me just reciting the script of the movie whole thing yeah and there's so much again i i think that one of my favorite aspects of the film is the level of like detail and depth to all of the dialogue Mm. Uh, you can watch it a hundred times and pick up more and more little jokes like almost every single line is a little a callback to something earlier or just a bit of clever wordplay or even just a funny moment from one character to another, like whether it's dialogue or like a little gesture. Um, it, it's just there, like constantly. They are always on. Well, this is it. Yeah. So if we keep quoting it, like, well, we'll quote stuff where it's particularly feisty, but I think we have to hold ourselves back a little bit or I'll speak for <laughs> myself. Use my I statements. I will need to hold myself back because too much of this is I just want to tell the joke that they told because it's very good. <laughs> yeah. So they're eating, right? And then... Um... I prefer Kipling myself. Miss Scarlet, do you, do you like Kipling? <laughs> Go on. Do you remember? Th- I forget. I, sorry, I actually forget the line. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, uh, you like Kipling, Miss Scarlet? And then she's some, something about like not liking fish or something along those lines. Sure, I'll eat anything. Oh, right. She does. Of course yeah, I okay. like Kipling. It's sure, delicious. Yeah. I'll eat anything. It's great. <laughs> Probably thinks it's a fish. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the seat at the head of the table is for someone named Mr. Body, who is the seventh guest. Mm. Any bets on who dies first? 
<laughs> See, I've played yeah. the board game. I was going to say, sometimes the foreshadowing is not subtle. <laughs> I've played the board game, and it starts with a body being found. So I'm guessing, call me crazy here, that Mr. Body, he might be the man what dies first. Yeah. It's a fair assessment. It's good that you've got your detective cap on, because this is a murder mystery it's after all. It's not much of a cap yet. It's it's a very bad <laughs> detective cap, but I wear it proudly. Uh, they proceed to silently slurp their soup from seemingly empty spoons. You notice that? Mrs. White just has a completely... There is no soup on that spoon, and she pretends to drink it. But that's Mrs. White. I mean, to be fair... It might be some kind of continuity error or whatever, but at the same time... She makes slurping sounds. That's a very Mrs. White thing to do. <laughs> she makes literal slurping sounds, like... Is it her and Professor Plum that yep. do it? That's the one. Very loudly. Yeah, and everyone else is just jaw on the floor, gobsmacked at their appalling table manners or whatever. <laughs> hey, you know, listen, the soup is hot. I love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the room is otherwise completely silent as none of the guests speaks to one another until Miss Peacock decides to break the ice. See, she's uh, she's hosted a bunch of stuff before because her husband, he's, uh, well, you, oh, I guess you shouldn't talk about. You see, this is difficult when you're trying to break the ice, but you're not supposed to tell anybody who you are or anything about yourself or why you're here. Why are they here? She gets very frustrated by it. <laughs> They don't really know. Well, they all know individually at this point, but the audience does not. Mm. Also, Mr. Green does know who she is because he also oh, works right. in Washington, D.C. Mm. And Mrs. White's husband, uh, we learn that he spends all day laying on his back, which seems to Miss Peacock to be really hard work, actually. You know, don't. Lots of people work on their back. Don't look down on it. <laughs> Yeah, the first hint at what Miss, Pe Miss uh, Scarlet does for a living. And uh, Mrs. Peacock is served her favorite recipe. Yes, her favorite recipe. Yeah, that's not going to be important in any sort of plot-defining way at the conclusion of everything in at least two of the endings. Also, there's multiple endings. Shut up, I'll come to that later. Uh, though, through some conversation, we learn that they all earn their living one way or another from the government. Colonel Mustard loses his patience and demands to know where their host is. Just then, the doorbell rings, and it's Mr. Body, who is surprised to see the guests. And this is the only character in the film that is just played, like, 100% straight. Um, you know, like, I mean, he's he's maybe a little bit um, pantomime villainy to an extent, but he's he's not an overt character like anybody else. He could like not be else. more of a pantomime villain. <laughs> If he twirled a mustache. <laughs> Fair, I guess. But he's not a big character like the rest. And I think it's because he is Mr. Body. And as we say, there's a clear There's like a good chance that he is a MacGuffin. Parallel between. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it turns out they all got that uh, similar letter that invited to them to the house saying pretty much the same thing, except Mr. Body, who got a different letter. And also seems to know Yvette very well, uh, and uh, he just proceeds to casually harass the poor girl. Yikes. Yep, but he's the villain. That. We expect him to be awful. Yeah, it's true. 
but it's like shortcut to awful. Let's have him sexually harass the person who's just like at work. Yeah. Cut to the study where they all take a seat and serve themselves some brandy and have a smoke. It is weird seeing cigarettes in movies. Yeah, indoors. Indoors. Who does that? I mean, in the 80s Altogether. and certainly in the 50s, I get it. But still, like current day, even if you're setting stuff in the 50s, you'd have to think twice about putting a cigarette in there. I mean, maybe it's just my background or whatever, but this whole thing is bizarre to me. Like they're in a mansion, they have a dinner, they go retire to the library for cognac and cigars and all of this business. And it's like, um, you know, okay, they all work for the government or whatever. Maybe they are all from a certain like class or whatever, but they do all kind of just do it. Like it seems like it's quite run of the mill to to live this kind of because they're all they all need rather a lot of direction from the butler, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, nobody questions that like you would retire to the the lounge or whatever for your digestive and cigar and whatever whatever. Look, man, if you've got fifteen rooms, you want to use a couple of them. Yeah, and I think that's a good time to mention the mansion itself, which is another big kind of character of the show. Like, this is another reason I fell in love with the movie because of all the. I mean, this is why I would ideally have in my life like a big, huge mansion with all these crazy rooms, like the library and the lounge and the <laughs> whatever billiard room. I don't mm-hmm. want to go into spoilers, but all of the amazing stuff that you see throughout the film of this this house and all of its um, incredible like old style uh colonial kind of whatever i don't know i don't, know what I don't think I don't that the, the existence of a room is a spoiler personally well i was going to say some other things which would have been but i didn't oh so yes yeah. well i mean the whole ep- that bullet <laughs> buddy the episode this whole episode is nothing but spoilers we are going through the entire movie if you have not seen the movie and you think you might want to then maybe watch that first okay I'll uh, not worry about spoilers then. There's Spo- secret passages. The whole thing is, I have seen the movie twice for this episode. I have 15 pages of notes. They have the actual bookcases with the books that you pull, and the, the thing opens a secret door that leads to the back of a painting or a, or a fireplace. It's just awesome. <laughs> There's so much to love about this film. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on there. Spoilers, buddy. You can't be just saying <laughs> stuff like that. Okay, well, you got to pick a lane, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is the joke. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, legitimately, spoilers are perfectly fine. Accepted. Everybody knows what they're coming in for. We spoil everything. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to be doing more of that then. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, 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 please. Like, the whole thing is but, we're doing an in-depth analysis for a film. Sure. We are going to be talking about the stuff that is spoilery. So, I mean, to recap, and again, because... Now we don't. I, I'm aware that we don't really mind about spoilers too much. The entire movie takes place in this house. There is no other location, um, and even still, the location is incredible. It's an adventure. They explore all of these different rooms, all of this, like uh, you know, the, the whole like location is is used fully. And there's hidden passages, as I say, and uh, little rooms that lead to other rooms and all this kind of stuff and it's it's just like i say the mansions are another character of the film really and it's it's so cool if you ever want to a master class in how to use a single location really 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 well this is a master class in how to use a single location because i completely believe that this is like they rented a house for a month and just did all of the filming in the house 
They might have done some on a soundstage. Now I'm thinking about it carefully, but I think they might have just got a house and decked it out. Yeah, I mean, some of it does seem like there could be, should probably be this, some of it is a set or whatever. But it, even though that might be the case, it definitely feels like they're in this mansion and it's real. Like you, you could feel like you could watch it and actually map it out and see all of the routes they take and where they go and where everything is. Not, like, not only that, I took out my copy of the board game. All of the rooms oh, yeah. are arranged <laughs> precisely as they are in the board game. Oh, I never knew that. That's brilliant. Like, oh, it's not really exactly exactly because there's scale, right? But there's also, if I were looking at the door to the dining room, the door on my right would be the other room. It's like, everything is that way arranged. It's difficult upstairs, downstairs, because there's no upstairs in the board game, but it's pretty sure. much that. This is the kind of detail that I'm so pleased to have done this for, because I didn't know that. And, and the secret passages exactly what I would have connect expected. correctly. <laughs> it's so good. It's very good. That's so uh, yeah, good. Yeah, cut to the study where they all have a seat and serve themselves some brandy and have a smoke. Uh, Wadsworth opens the envelope he was instructed to open after supper. We know this because the envelope says to be opened after supper, please. Uh, but first, Mr. Body tries to break out of the house but discovers the door is locked. Mm. Well, that's not ominous. Yeah, and that's the first sign that things are not necessarily going to plan, maybe. No. And whose plan? And which plan? Whose where plan? is the plan? Yeah. <laughs> is there a plan? There might not be. He also discovers that there are some mean Dobermans outside, which will probably bite him if he tries to escape by breaking the window or something. Rough, rough. I wonder why he wants to break out so badly. But I now also wonder about Wadsworth's intentions here. Why, why would he lock all the doors and lock everyone in? Yeah, he, he, he uh, I believe, at some point, or at least acts as if he's under instructions by somebody else. But this whole um, time he has been saying, "You're right." The <clears throat> my employer has insisted that this is the case, sort of thing, and we don't know who his employer is. At this point, we do not. <laughs> yeah, I've also noticed the fact that this is being based on this board game has really helped build the tension. Because if you've ever played the game, you're like, "Well, somebody is about to die," because that's like the premise of the game. So we, this isn't, oh, someone might die by act two. It's like, no, no, no. Somebody is like about to die right now. And we don't know who. Mm. And this is the good old days of movies where like the, the movie itself was the entertainment. Like you could know the whole premise and pretty much know like, you know, what you were going in for. Like the, the, the trailers back then were very like clear about it. They gave you away like half the plot in the, in the trailer. Um, but it, that's not what it's about. Like, you know, the journey is the, is the part of it, right? Like, that's the whole thing. And the movie's entertaining, not because you know what's going to happen and that there's going to be this sequence of events that's going to unfold just like the board game would be. Um, but it's it's all of the little, again, the nuances and the, all the subtle jokes and all the big jokes and everything mm. that happens to get you there. I think the writers really made excellent use of the framing mechanism is really what I'm getting at here. Because this could have very easily been like a throwaway movie about a board game. But instead, they really took it to heart and went like, oh, there's some, there's something here. Yeah, and I think, again, I, I don't know if I was really familiar with the board game before I saw the movie. I'm pretty sure this was it's, my introduction to not a good board the game. concept of the game. It's not a good but board game. But also, I, I don't think I knew of the genre, the kind of murder mystery genre either. Like, this was my introduction to that, too. Um 
and and in a lot of ways this was like my first proper comedy where again there were all these different levels of like um parody and uh yeah like um slapstick and callbacks so and different types dialogue and just the... just so much going on all the time and even just the performances are again i, I sorry i'm going to stop just saying how much i love the movie all the time because that's not that yeah. interesting but i will no, keep totally, saying <laughs> i think it's I, I think the the urge to repeat yourself about like no no the characters though oh my god yes is telling of your opinion about the movie i can't imagine <laughs> you saying now actually it's not my it's not that great yeah well let's see i don't know maybe i'll change mm. my mind <laughs> well hopefully not let's not make ourselves not enjoy things but back in the study yvette is serving brandy and wadsworth reveals that everybody here has something in common they are all being blackmailed indeed since everybody is in the same boat time for some details as yvette goes into the other room Professor Plum was a psychiatrist who did the thing that doctors are not supposed to do with their lady patients. And then what's the line? Something like, um, not that thing or something like that. Or, uh, the specific I line I think is, you know, the, you know, the thing that doctors aren't supposed to do with their lady patients. Yes. Well, yeah. he did it. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's between, um, is that Scarlet? That's Scarlet who says that. Yeah, yeah. So she, she does sort of the whole smiles <gasps> and goes, oh. Shock. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Shock Peacock, despite her moral judgments, seemed to have, seems to have been accepting bribes from lobbyists in order to deliver her husband the senator's votes on certain issues. Yep. And uh, the, seems the like everyone is blackmailed for things that they didn't do, seemingly, except for Miss Scarlet, who's being blackmailed for doing things that she definitely did do. <laughs> yeah. What, what is she's she? She's the only one who's proud of what she she does. Oh, extremely. Yeah. She's got an ancient profession. People have been doing her job for generations. <laughs> and then you have uh, Reverend Green, right? Or is he called Reverend Green? Professor Plum. Professor Plum proudly asks for the brothel's phone number. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just tucks it into his pocket or whatever. Yeah, just takes out his notebook. Uh, Calling out a specific line here from Colonel Mustard when he claims he's uh, not one of Miss Scarlet's clients. That's how they knew each other at supper. You tell him it's not true. It's not true. Is that true? That's not true. Aha, so it is true. <laughs> a double negative! A double negative? You mean you have photographs? That sounds like a confession to me. In fact, In fact the double, the double negative, negative has led has to, prove to prove positive. I'm afraid you've given yeah. yourself away. Are you trying to make me look stupid in front of the other guests? <laughs> you don't need any help from me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, man. And again, that's just... What more can you say? That whole sequence of dialogue is just beautiful. <laughs> that is intricately written. That do- that joke does not work unless every word is exactly that. And I dig it so much. Yep. And that's and basically what promise, it is. And I do promise, dear listeners, that I will like refrain that. from long segments of quotation like that in future. But man, that one was just too good. It's fantastic. 
And there's so much of it. And, and, and it, this is the thing that the concept of a murder mystery, right, is that everything builds up towards the end and there's clues that go throughout it and you can like watch it and pick them up. And that's the same with the comedy. They really found this weird uh, golden like mixture of the two genres going together. Like the comedy also has all of these little one liners and jokes that build on each other and, and repeat and loop back and, and certain jokes like just spill into each other. And if you follow it through, you get to this, like the, the laughs become bigger and, and uh, more clever. And it, it's a really weird, as I say, combination of both murder mystery and comedy. It, it's, it's genius. I hadn't considered that the jokes themselves, as they become insistent gags through the film, are themselves similar in structure to how murder mysteries generally proceed, even if this one proceeds a little bit lopsided in pace here and there. Which I don't mean is a bad thing, I just mean that the pace is not a regular sort of uh, Miss Marple-style, Poirot-style, you know, you know what the next scene is going to be in a Poirot movie, uh, movie? Uh, in a Poirot story. Yeah, because it's parody. So again, they've they've done that. Like they've they've parodied that genre as part of one of the other jokes that you're watching. And then, like you say, yeah, like I, like you just uh, we just discussed, like that that happens. So the whole mirroring of the way uh, clues and murder mysteries and crime stories leave breadcrumbs and clues. It's the same way the comedy is structured, and it's a really really interesting uh, way of intertwining those two concepts good observation i hadn't picked up on that but you're absolutely right in retrospect yeah yeah uh mrs white's husband (laughs) mrs white's husband died under mysterious circumstances twice Mm. her husband (laughs) was deranged uh he's threatened to kill her in public by which she means that he threatened in public to kill her (laughs) why would he want to kill you in public Tim Curry's delivery, just mwah, chef kiss. Beautiful. It's it's this sort of, uh, this comedy delivery that Tim Curry has, where it's perfectly straight ahead. He shares this with Leslie Nielsen, I think. It's just, matter of fact, I believe he meant that he threatened in public to kill her. That's and again, the funny this goes bit. back to like, comedy like stand-up comedians like george carlin has famously talked a lot about how uh comedy is also about uh, pacing and timing and the rhythm of what you're saying so a joke lands perfectly because you stagger out the sentiment and you choose the word that has the right kind of meter and syllables and stuff and it's like a musical kind of construction um absolutely is i agree and tim curry is very good at it yeah, and, and the whole movie, again, has this this pace and this progression, which is all, it's just a constant, like, joke to punchline and then carrying on. Um, again, another reason why I love it. <laughs> Mrs. White's first husband also died in mysterious circumstances, but he was an illusionist. So, yeah, okay. you know, he disappeared. He disappeared, that's what he did disappeared because he was an illusionist but he never reappeared he wasn't a very good illusionist <laughs> he was a very good illusionist God, i'm finding it very difficult to make my own jokes here when theirs are just this good this is my problem yeah, right. whenever i do a comedy on the show i'm like how do i make this funnier than what they did i don't know if i can 
Mr. Green declares that works that he works for the State Department and is a homosexual, which in the 50s would get him fired because it was the 50s and America. <laughs> yeah. And and there's some shock. I can't remember which characters, but some people are like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, my, oh good gracious. <laughs> I think Mrs. Peacock is quite yeah. shocked at everybody else, but doesn't see any particular problem with accepting bribes. Yeah, right. That covers everybody, uh, everybody here except for Mr. Body. What's he done? Yeah, and then this is another wonderful Tim Curry moment where he's uh, the big just, reveal, just do right? The moment. Just do the moment. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes. It's something like, well, haven't you all guessed? He's the one who's been bribing you all. And it's this Black glee. <laughs> Blackmailing, right. He's the one who's been blackmailing you all. And it's this, yeah, that glee of like revealing it in this way. And, um, you know, the reaction of everyone. He's waiting for that reaction. And then he, and the reaction you know, comes very quickly as Colonel Mustard immediately tries to fight him. But I guess the uh, <laughs> trained and seasoned military veteran with you know years of combat experience has no way to fight against Three Stooges style Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't find this section yeah. at all frustrating because I was like, oh, the military guy's just going to take him down now. But it's like a but stamp he's on like, the foot and, I don't the know. Eye, and the eye poke. And then suddenly he's <laughs> on the floor. But he's a bluster, right? Like, the colonel is not, like, a, I don't know. I see it as, like, he's been, you know, out of action for a while. And he's been, you know, like, you know, all bluster and, and uh, above it all and kind of, like, retired. And he's obviously, you know, he's gotten fat and lazy and out of shape and not, you know, not keeping up with his training sort of thing. I see what you're saying. But Three Stooges style Kung Fu is still just <laughs> so silly. It's still a comedy, though. And again, I think this is a really fine line. And there are moments like that one where I will grant you are a little bit I more my eyes so far-fetched hard. than they need to be. But um, we have to forgive it because it's a comedy. It was like silly to the point of like <laughs> non-believability. Fortunately, his... His kung fu style is no match for Mrs. White's knee to groin style. Classic. It's the best style of kung fu. There is there is no defense. There is no defense against groin style kung fu. Okay, so here's the plan. Police are on their way. They'll be here in 45 minutes. So all everybody has to do is tell the police what they just told each other and the whole thing is over. Yeah, and then they're like freaked out because they don't want to confess all this stuff little bit i imagine but they're also like that's a lot of money though so naturally what they'll want to do now right is to restrain mr body maybe you know tie him to a chair or something something of that nature lock him in a room make sure there's no windows he can whatever right something like that and they need to prevent his escape clearly uh they decide not to do this but instead allow him to get his little bag from the hall and he hands each of them a weapon Guys, seriously, don't let him do anything. Tie the tie the dang chair or something. Wait for the police. I screamed no. to myself internally as they made the wrong decision. <laughs> let me just See, get Mr. my little Body's bag plan. from the hole. Let, let me just get my bag. Oh, I, well, okay, fine. I see no problem with that, Mr. Blackmailer, who we're, who was just told we're about to, like, we're 45 minutes away from exposing you to the police and having you arrested and put in jail for a long time. Let me just allow you to pick, to grab a thing in the hallway. 
that you, is a secret stash of your stuff. I see no this issue is because with this. You said you'd be exposing yourselves too, and that was the the re- like they're all ashamed and and don't want to be you know outed and all of that. That's that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's and evidently Mr. Body thinks that's enough leverage to convince them to kill Wadsworth. Which he claims will help them not have their various scandals published in the papers for some, as opposed to, like, also being involved in a murder? (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand what his plan is here. (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter, because it doesn't quite work out, so... (laughs) It it, it matters a little bit, because I'm like, wait, is this guy competent? (laughs) What's his idea here? Why would he invite all these people? Well, we find that out momentarily, don't we? We do. But first he needs to turn off the lights. Whereas he's like, now you need to kill him. Now. Turns off the lights and there's a thud. One of you kills Wadsworth now. Striking a wooden thing. And then a sharp intake of breath. Then a gunshot and glass breaking. And then a scream. Bang. (laughs) That's the one. And here's Mrs. Peacock holding a knife in her hands. She drops it. Yep. It's got no blood on it or anything, but she is screaming. It looks like someone killed Mr. Body. I He's on the am floor. surprised. <laughs> he has achieved his destiny. Yeah, at least it seems that way, according to Professor Plum, who takes his pulse for like a second and a half uh, before declaring him dead. But he wasn't shot, though. No. And then the bullet broke the vase on the mantle or something and all this... That's right, it did. They see the bullet hole. They go rush all of them, go over and stare at this bullet hole together. Yeah. But maybe he was poisoned, says Professor Plum, watching Miss Scarlet just having taken a drink of the same drink. (laughs) And she freaks out, and then it's Green that tries to give her Heimlich, I think. And they give her Heimlich. No, no, no. She sits her down and then violently assaults her because she was screaming. Oh, okay. Right. I may misremember certain parts. Yeah, he, he lifts her down and then slaps her, like, full body, <laughs> wind up to the back of your back, and slap straight across her, which, yikes! I had to stop her screaming! <laughs> That's what he had to do, I guess. Everybody else is a little like, uh, a little much, buddy, but okay. <laughs> As they eagerly await Mrs. Peacock's death from poisoning, probably. They hear Yvette scream in the billiards room. You remember Yvette? She went into the billiards room. They all run out to the billiards room and speak with Yvette, who believes one of them is a murderer, because one of them definitely is a murderer. Yeah. Could it's we take a second? Well, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, the, the, the French accent. Is that what we're going to address yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, first... Yvette is definitely one of those more high-level parody characters. <laughs> there is... The actor playing Yvette is Colleen Camp. There is no way she was given enough time to prepare for this role. <laughs> there is no way. Her accent is clearly supposed to be French, but is is all over the place. And honestly, as a Francophone myself, it's kind of hard to listen to. <laughs> like, it is genuinely insulting every time she opens her mouth and all i can think is she was not given enough time to prepare for this role and they just, just decided to they, roll with it 
No, I just, I just don't think they cared at all. It was, it, she's not supposed to actually be French. She's supposed to be a weird French maid stereotype. Like it's, it's I like guess. the American concept of what a French maid is. You know? Okay. Like, so this is like a spoof of the American concept of what they think a French maid is. I mean, all the characters are basically that. It's just that she's a French maid, but like you know, they're all kind of larger than life fake versions of i mean it's like the game you know like the 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 pieces or characters in the game that you play as you're playing it's like a role play thing right i guess in a way i hadn't considered it that way i was just listening to someone like doing a bad french accent and going oh oh no don't do that i i think you have to think of it like you're, you show up to a party and you're told you're playing Yvette, the French maid, and you, you know you're not, um, you know, okay, trained or, you. or ready. You. You're just doing the performance of. I that guess character. I also, I that sort of, I don't think it worked. I now think, I think you're right. That's probably what they were going for, but I honestly don't think it worked for me, at least, because that's literally my culture that they're being like, oh, look at how funny the French talk. It sort of came across she, as mean to me, and maybe I'm being is, a little oversensitive, but meh. Nah, but she's she's too much. I I, I definitely much. go on that. Like, I mean, it's not just the voice; it's the the cleavage and the outfit and the whole they, thing, right? They it's went just crazy. To, they didn't get <laughs> the outfit, the uniform of an actual French maid. This should be clear. No, they got the American sex shop version of what they think a French maid might be looking like in the but only in that one setting yeah no i i think especially in this scene she says things like uh the way she says the word idiot and uh <sighs> all of it im or uh, and all this <laughs> i don't need to go i wondered i did further. think that's fine because i knew i knew that you uh you know like you say what was the phrase you used frank frank something francophone yeah i speak french i'm a friend i'm a french speaker yeah. i'm not french right. i'm quebecois yeah. but like i speak and I, french so I obviously was yeah. was aware of that going in and knew that that would probably come up at some point so i'm glad we got it out of the way <laughs> no it's all right like i'm not i'm not angry at it i'm just like uh all right that that was the where you went for the cheap laugh all right fine but again i think there's another element of that because there's not just the um, I suppose you might refer to it as some kind of form of racism, um, but there's also the. I wouldn't go uh, that far, but sexism. it's certainly insulting. There's also like the kind of chauvinism type of thing going on, and again, it's an it's a, a movie made in the 80s, set in the 50s. Oh yeah, one of the first things that anybody does to this person is try to grab her ass. Yeah, and I think there's uh, some level of playfulness with it, where it is a comedy that is being made in the 80s and set in the 50s um but i think there's there is an element of where it might not age that well because in the modern day they are probably um oh you would not playing this playing with today. it a bit too much yeah they're just the, like the the comedy is being derived from things that we wouldn't necessarily approve of now. i get i get the time um, and place argument it doesn't make my reaction in current day watching the film any different you see what i'm saying Oh yeah, no, exactly. And this is the thing. And uh, th this is the element of all of this stuff, right? Like, I don't want to go into too much politics here, but you know, all of these kind of like things that were made in days gone by don't stand up so well in this day and age. And 
all of those arguments that go on on social media and so on right now, which uh, we don't need to. Well, this movie generally, <laughs> I would say, fine, except this one lady, right? Like, this is really the only. Well, this one lady and treatment of women generally is the two things where I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But we could, we'll, uh, we'll be working our way through in any event. But I mean, with Green as well, right? Green's like homosexual, and there's a lot of play around that, which isn't just a little bit. But you know. that that to me felt more like he's just outed himself to a bunch of people and he's like i have no personal shame in this but yeah it would cost me my job so i have to keep it quiet so yeah and then there's a few eyebrow raises and stuff and again it's like and the one old um, lady is like oh well i never it's that fine line of are they mocking those people for reacting that way um or are they mocking like the actual thing i think they're mocking the people for reacting that way because he is played straight at it's weird to call him played straight, but you know what I mean yeah. when I say in terms of comedy, you got the foil and the straight guy, the the yeah, straight yeah. ahead. He is doing exactly what he seems to be doing right in that sense. He's that uh, he, he's the foil to everyone. Foil is probably a better word is what I mean. He ends up being the foil to a bunch of comedy. And when, uh, for example, Plum uh finds himself on the same couch as this guy and sort of promptly gets up i look at plum and i'm like ah you ass right yeah right right i don't think less of the gay guy i think less of the guy who reacted badly to it and same with uh peacock who sort of goes oh well i never but this is also where as he announced it first thing that um wadsworth says to her is well that's are you making moral judgments really you here (laughs) yeah Mm, you do get what i have on you right (laughs) like we're about to hear like i don't know what you where you think you you you're going with this but it's not going somewhere good yeah uh, cut to the study again where professor plum a formerly qualified medical doctor cannot tell the if there's any indication of how mr body died Kind of glad this dude isn't practicing medicine anymore for like several reasons now, not just the one reason. Yeah. Turns out this whole thing was Wadsworth's idea, not Mr. Body's. In fact, uh, see, he was Mr. Body's butler and his wife, uh, Wadsworth's wife, was also being blackmailed. And she was blackmailed so hard that she killed herself. And I, I did just to oh, this performance is hilarious. It's it's so good. The the the, the way he, he affects all of this, um, you know, holding back the tears and everything. It, it's it's so funny. It's like funny, and then there's a kind of like it's just on that line where you sort of care for him and feel for him a little bit, but it's still very much comedy, and you can't take it too seriously. Um, but that yeah, so many elements of that bit of dialogue where he's sort of like that line he's like crying and laughing very well i yeah. agree <laughs> what, is, what is it he's sort of like um i, I it's not what i intended <laughs> and all this stuff and it's the drama is so good so good i love see, it mr body uh had took issue with everybody he was blackmailing see he reckoned they were all un-american for some reason he didn't care very much for the corrupt politician's wife the doctor who abused his patients and so forth and uh wadsworth's wife who had well her thing was she had friends who were communists socialists 
Yeah, socialist. That was it. And yeah. this is the big react from everyone. Like, oh, yeah, socialism. True shock. <gasps> yeah. No, nobody reacted to Mrs. White, who like literally killed several people. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what is it like? Well, everybody makes mistakes. Like, hold, like really, almost bursting into tears at that point. <laughs> right. So, so good. Here the so game funny. begins. The only other person in the house was the cook. So time to run to the kitchens to speak with the cook and maybe learn something the there. Where where do they and find? Do we get the that cook? music at this point? Do we get that running through the house music? Is that I a thing that happens? Do, do we get it here? I don't think we we or might. Is that later I, forget. I didn't make a note of it. We might. Or... I forget. But I, I love the uh, On a quick note, the music is great. <laughs> All of the, uh, the playful sort of i don't know how you describe it the music is great i like that they use it only where it needs to be mm. and it's very hammy and old school like the da 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 and all this stuff um oh yeah lovely the music is not a subtle part of this movie and in the least <laughs> no no there's no fourth wall thing whatsoever so so where do they find the cook um yes they run to the kitchen to find the cook and is this where she is already dead now? Oh yeah, she's dead. She's very dead. She's in that yeah. uh, meat fridge, meat cooler, meat pantry. I don't know. Fifties? Yeah. Did they have yeah. fridges in the fifties? I think so. She's definitely in a big metal cold cupboard. <laughs> yeah. Also, she has a knife in her back, which is uh, you know not ideal. No, and it's the same knife she was using to chop up the meat in the beginning of the or whatever That's she was right. doing. Somebody knife in the kitchen to her with her own knife with the she knife killed, in the kitchen they killed yeah. her they killed the chef with her knife i, I don't know well it wasn't I, the I chef's like knife no, no, no. it was the dagger from the other room oh was you it remember the one oh, that peacock okay. held yeah it was peacock's dagger right oh yes okay and um that's interesting because that's probably you can't the just first put clue. other playing pieces into the game come on now no, of course. I was foolish. I misremembered that. But that's interesting then, because that is a clue to the fact that that dagger was not in that room. And how did it get there? What's that all about? Like the name of the of movie. We later discover that this fridge has a secret tunnel that leads back to the... Is it the, the lounge where they were having their drinks and stuff? And that's I how forget. it all I think it comes up in the notes happened. later. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's Colonel nice, Mustard decides nice to put bit. all of his fingerprints all over the dagger in her back, and they decide to take the cook's body to the study and discover that Mr. Body's body is body. I mean, gone. <laughs> the body. Mr. Body's body. It's gone. Mr. Body's body, body. is body. Gone. The body. Yeah. <laughs> and lots of good fun with the fact that his name is Mr. Body and he is a body and so on. Yeah, maybe Mr. Body killed the cook. How? <laughs> uh, right. Right, that... No. As Mrs. Peacock goes to the bathroom, she discovers Mr. Body's body, which falls towards onto her. And uh, he's attacking her, someone shouts. So That's right, that he's it not appears dead. that he's attacking her. Uh, turns out he's not doing that. Not really. No, not really. Uh, now they need to find out who actually killed him for real this time, and uh, where, and with what. 
maybe this candlestick on the top of the doorframe here from before that's conveniently on this doorframe here above Wadsworth, who is definitely not yelling. <laughs> yes. I'm not shouting! All right, I am! <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. I'm shouting, about that he says bit. as he slams I'm his shouting, fist into I'm the shouting, door frame, I'm... knocking the thing Dunk. over onto his head. <laughs> so good. Stop okay, shouting, so new plan. I'm not shouting! You are shouting! <sighs> I'm not! All right, I am! <laughs> I'm shouting, I'm shouting! Sorry, okay, sorry. So, new plan. Got lost in that moment there for a second. Don't, don't apologize! <laughs> Absolutely get lost. I'll bring you back if you get lost. So, new plan. It was very, very Let's funny. lock all of the weapons away in this cupboard and throw away the key. Yeah. Just outside the front door is a guy whose uh, car broke down and needs to use the phone. So naturally, they decide to lock him in the room that the phone is in because... um, Alex, why do they decide to to lock the man in the room? They say they say that they 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 don't want him wandering around with all this going on, something like that. So, so hang that out with him in there for a couple minutes. Nah, they just leave him to it. <laughs> He'll be fine. He's locked in. I think this is all covered in actual dialogue. <laughs> it might also it might also be covered in actual dialogue because if, if there any of them like, go well, in with him suspicious. then the others could be locking a murderer in with him because they don't know who it is and they still might be one of them so that's, that's like, true that's true but they could I also think. just be like hey stay there for a bit would you yeah i mean they could just yeah i don't know it's a whole thing it's all very it's awkward and a lot of it can just be explained by the fact that they're all nervous and in the middle of a crisis situation and maybe not thinking rationally i guess that's true Calling out a line here. I need a drink. Looks into the room. Everything okay? No, it's checking. Yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. <laughs> Good stuff. I'm using that one in every day. How is it? Two corpses. Everything's fine. <laughs> yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. <laughs> Alex, am I right in thinking there's nobody else in the house? Um, <laughs> oh well, I, I can't remember how this all goes, but it is really good. Well, he says there's no. some some back and forth where they don't know whether they're saying yes or no to the answer. And there is and someone else in the like, house. No, sorry, I said no. Meaning no, yes. Nobody. Is yes. there someone Nobody, else yes. in the house, or isn't there? Yes or no? Yes. Or uh no. No. No, there is, or Nobody, no, there isn't. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mrs. White smashes the glass into the fireplace and screams. <laughs> I I love oh, that she smash. She doesn't smash it. She sort of just like throws it backwards because that's the way her arm happens to be gesticulating in the. She's very good. This actor. She is very good. They all are. They all are. I, man. I am calling like, them out individually saying. each time. I think this because yeah. they're each very good and they each deserve me to be like. And you get a a shout out. And you get a shout out. It really is. If you watch it from like uh, just perf- like um, purely looking at like slapstick and physical comedy perspective, oh god, they're, they're all, all on all the time. Like every single gesture, the performances are incredible. It's always there, and there's so many little things like that, just little nuggets of comedy in every single moment of the film. It, it's it's amazing. Speaking of which, uh, Colonel Mustard comes up with a brilliant idea. 
Hey, gang, let's <laughs> split up and look for clues. Side note, has that yeah. ever actually worked in Scooby-Doo? Have, has splitting up made them do anything other than do the Scooby-Doo door thing? I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, this is why we're both D&D players. Splitting the party is a classic uh, always-win scenario. <laughs> There there's, could there's still be been, someone else in the house, and they need in to a rule murder that mystery. Out. There's never been any problem with separating into smaller groups. <laughs> so they split into and, pairs. Where when yep, they'll when that they way do. they'll know who the murderer is. Assuming there's only one murderer, and, I think and they're working. They do alone. address it, don't they? They they say they have a whole conversation about the fact that one of us is going to be with a with a killer or something. This is war. Casualties are inevitable. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's the one. I can't oh, imagine that man. this could ever go poorly for some sort of secret passage-related reason. Can you? No, I can't at all. Huh. And also, um, just going going off into the house in little groups and and splitting up and going upstairs and all of that is just brilliant. I'm sure later he even says there's safety in numbers, and you're like, the, uh, all right, what happened to military precision, <laughs> Colonel? And at this point, they, they just draw- they they just carry on, and they've left the guy on the phone. Right? They just leave him in that room. Oh yeah, they just leave him there. In. Uh, they and they draw straws to determine search pairs in a scene where so much character interaction happens that it would take like this entire episode again to cover all of it, just in terms of looks and glances and body language. It is so good. But another line to call out: uh, Who is it? Um, when Plum and scarlet get paired off and they literally pair them off like in the best possible way meaning for them the worst possible way (laughs) and uh he goes it's you and me honey bunch (laughs) and it's christopher lloyd so you know that it's extra extra creep it's so good it's so good and and because like yvette who's like obviously the the sex symbol gets paired off with the gay guy and then like um and they're, well, yeah, they're going to go them, to the like, attic. Mustard and isn't it mustard and Mrs. White? You get paired nope. off. And, no, mustard and, and scarlet. No. Down. Mustard well, here scarlet, I have a actual yeah. list. Down in the cellar, it's Professor Plum <laughs> and Miss Peacock, who are both afraid of the dark and also afraid of death. They tell us. Upstairs is Wadsworth and Mrs. White, who play a rousing game of peekaboo. Uh, in the billiard <laughs> room, mustard and scarlet decide decide to just flex on each other for a bit, and mustard arms himself <laughs> with a pool cue. Yeah. Uh Yvette looks like she's never climbed stairs before. <laughs> and no one else trusts oh, yeah. <laughs> any of what's happening and everybody is real jumpy as they search the house. And I yeah, totally buy it. It's a couple of key moments. So there's this bit where Mrs. Scarlet and Colonel Mustard are like, you know, both afraid of each other, basically, and like backing off and he, she thinks she's gonna hit him and then he looks under the table and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's this like hiding behind furniture and all this weird stuff that the Wordsworth and Mrs. White do. And then there's a, another wonderful bit of French dialogue <laughs> where they're trying to go up the stairs to the attic together. And it's uh, too narrow for them to both go up together, like side by side. And they can't go like they don't Neither one of them wants to take the front because then they might have a killer on their back. So... She's like, then we go together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, so the, I don't the main want to go thing on my that own. she gets wrong I'm, sca- I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> then we go together. <laughs> so the main thing she gets wrong with her accent is the TH sound is <laughs> extraordinarily difficult for Francophone or for native French speakers to get precisely right. It's a pretty rare sound in all language. English has a couple of them, the, the sort of dental fricative. So the French tend to replace THs with the with a Z sound. So zis, zos, uh, that sort of thing, right? She doesn't quite do that. She actually <laughs> just slurs a TH into it. I'm like, okay, right. there's no way. There's no way that this actor was given enough time to prepare this accent. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. But nearby, a police car finds that one guy's car, the motorist's car, uh, wrecked on the side of the road. And the back of the house, uh, someone wearing a glove burns all of the evidence and retrieves all of the weapons from that cupboard where they decided to put all the weapons in case someone went looking for the weapons. Maybe someone should have stayed in the study, you know, where all the important stuff was. (laughs) Maybe a couple of them should have stayed in the study. There's, There's a, there's a series of bad choices that occur throughout the movie <laughs> um and i think you're right there is a point at which they're all under serious stress and when you're that under that kind of stress you can't be expected to make good decisions all the time because again, like, i mean there's a, there's a kernel there that's the job he should be able I thought to about this though like i really did kind of try to think this through like in preparation for doing this i, I was like what what would you do? What is the best course of action? And it really is to just stay in one room altogether and just wait for like 45 minutes or whatever till the police The arrive. best course There's of no... action is to tie up Mr. Body and wait for 45 wait. minutes. Yeah. The police Don't get there, you explain what's going on, and then they go, oh, okay, well, thank you for reporting it. We won't report this to the papers. You're but all victims a, here. A co- like you say, a cop arrives um, and and they take a different course of action. <laughs> yeah, they decide to, to do some different things than that. They, they decide on <laughs> different ideas to the good idea. You remember that guy who uh, they unlawfully imprisoned in the lounge earlier? Well, he's on the phone to someone, is informing them that one of the people here is their old boss from, well, we don't get to find out because someone wrench in the lounge him. That sense is not sentence is not completed, and someone wrench in the lounge him. Mm. They took the wrench in the lounge and beat him to death with the wrench in the lounge. They wrench in the lounge him. Wrench in the lounge. Wrench in the lounge. lounge it, it's a oh, verb now. Anyway. Deal with it. This is how English works. <laughs> it's a word and it's a verb. All I need is for one other people to use it. One other people. One other person to use it. Weird that they didn't hear any of that go down, though, right? I mean, some of them are in, like, completely other parts of the house, but yeah. That's true, a big house. In the conservatory, Scarlet and Mustard accidentally discover a secret passage, which uh, they decide to investigate. Turns out this leads to the lounge where the dead guy is, and also the secret entrance closes behind them, trapping them in the room with the dead guy. And there's another lovely pantomime scream at this point, or? Yep. But it's not them, or it is them, I forget. It's them. Because there's lots of screams that happen. And it's lots them, of, and then people ah, outside scream too, because someone else is screaming. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the key is gone, so they can't just open the door. And looks like 
Wadsworth will have to break it down, which goes exactly as well as you'd expect it to. Uh, hang on, because also, isn't there a whole bit where they, uh, Wadsworth and Mrs. White think they're in a room and they're trying to get out, and then he's like, where's the door? And he goes to turn the handle and it's the shower and then the water comes on and that's the whole thing. I think that comes later. And he's all wet. Is that later? Okay, fair. I think that comes okay. later, around the like time. I say, the there's a lot breaker. of moments. Uh, from this point on, there's several moments where there's a scream and everyone panics and runs around That's the house. That's true, but it's so. also sort of difficult to separate everything out in your mind. This is why my notes are so long, because yeah. it all happens in the same locations. So I had to be like, no, 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 yeah. this happens next. Mm. And it is chaos. Like there's just It is. The, the movie... This is basically the point where it really does descend into absolute chaos and things start getting even more absurd and weird. <laughs> That's right. Because you see, having failed to knock in the door with the shoulder technique, Yvette, Yvette just has a gun now and decides to fire wildly at the door without warning, but not before misfiring into the air, which frays the rope uh, that the chandelier is hanging from and it falls dramatically, nearly killing Colonel Mustard. I can't take any more scares. <laughs> She can't take any more scares. I was expecting him to, to have say, a heart attack right now. This scene is my favorite one in the whole movie because oh, yeah? of this back and forth dialogue <laughs> where <laughs> I think it's green and plum and uh, it goes like green says, no, Plum says, unlock the door. And Green says, I haven't got the key. And he goes, never mind about the key, unlock the door. And then he shakes him and goes, I can't unlock the door without the key. That's <laughs> Which right. Which is just yeah. amazing. It's Why so can't you amazing. unlock the door? Because I don't have the key. Unlock the door. I don't, I don't have, what do never you Never mind think? about what? the key, unlock the door. <laughs> and it is, it's, I think that's the signal of the, the fact that it's all going downhill from here. <laughs> like things are not, uh -huh. uh, ordered anymore everyone is losing it and uh it's, it's just such a wonderful the pace of it is so fast and back and forth and like you know uh i can't open the door get the key i haven't got the key never mind about the key <laughs> it's just madness complete madness but it works it and it kind of madness. makes weird sense there's like a weird logic to the argument like he's like never mind about the key unlock the door and for some reason you kind of understand why he's saying that he's like just get the door open. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly yeah, what he meant. Know. But of course, the words yeah, just, he said just... are different, and panic is setting in, and you hear and say different <laughs> things in a moment of panic. It, it's, it has that yeah. effect on people. And I think the actors I mean, did a spectacular job of showing the effect the of panic. The frustration and the anger and the confusion when he shakes. It was like, I can't unlock the door without the key. Yeah, and then the gun, and then... Shooting and then it's like they're shooting at us and it, it yeah it just all all starts to really go to hell. Oh yeah, the uh, she ends up shooting and it the kind colonel of in the back, shoulder, right? Because she didn't, she just doesn't give a warning to be like I'm going to shoot out the lock. She doesn't do that. She just shoots the yeah. lock twice. Yeah. But at this moment, just after they've all rejoined one another in the hall, and they have discovered that the unlocked cupboard was actually unlocked. Didn't they unlock that earlier? Weird. Well, she throws no, she the gun under there. the she chandelier. Goes, I think I would break it open, but it was already unlocked. <laughs> that's right. It was already unlocked. And that's a likely story, according to several of them. And anyway, she decides to throw the gun under the chandelier, then show them themselves that the cupboard is unlocked. But before we go any further, I think at this moment, at maximum confusion, 
is where we end part one of the One for Paul review of Clue. Thank you for joining us on this episode of One for Paul. I've been Paul. I've been Alex. And we will see you next time. If you'd like to support me on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash one for Paul, where for as little as one buck a month, you can help out the show. If you can't do that, then follow me on Twitter at one for Paul, or just tell people about us. That'd be great. Thank you. See you next time. I'm just going to grab your butt now. From your tone, I'm guessing this is a problem. Yeah.